0: Hello, and welcome to On a Mission podcast, where we aim to inspire and educate through sharing stories and experiences in the real estate industry. It's hosted by Dina Frank, a licensed realtor in the state of Minnesota at REMAX Results, a good life group, and Kelly Tankey, loan originator NMLS 1599804 at Summit Mortgage Corporation NMLS 1041. We started this podcast so we could share real stories from real people on their experiences in the real estate industry and break down barriers. We hope that by sharing these stories and experiences, it helps you feel more confident and comfortable when it comes to buying or selling. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, enjoy. And now let's get to this week's episode. hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of on a mission podcast i'm dina frank and i'm kelly tinky and we are back um last week we decided to kind of not take the week off because we still met but we did some q1 2022 planning and we are excited to be here we had both been traveling like crazy like I feel like this is the season of travel for our industry, Um, even though it doesn't necessarily slow down per se. um, It is kind of a nice time to get away, set some goals, reflect, um, and just kind of recharge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Kelly, before we get started, what's new with you? What have you been up to?
1: Well... So I got back from Tampa, Florida last week. It was a pretty short trip, and um, though there was just a little bit of uh, "quote unquote" fun and pleasure involved in that, and that sounded really dirty, so please just bear with me—not <laughs> dirty. Um, I, it was more for business. So I traveled down there with my branch manager, Betsy Lowther of Summit Mortgage, and we had scheduled um, meetings with real estate agents down there. And for those of you who are just tuning in earlier this year, I got my Florida license. Um, My branch manager has been licensed for a couple of years now down in Florida. And we just thought this would be a really fun opportunity for us to get in front of some agents down there and um, have some team building as well. So we were down there. Um, we flew out that Sunday after Thanksgiving and um, and then got back on Wednesday. And while we were there, it was very nice um, 70 degree weather, um, but it did get chilly. It got chilly in the evenings. So I was glad that I had some um, warmer clothes with me. <laughs> <laughs> but Tampa's a really great area. I, I had actually that. heard It's so funny, Dina, cuz I had actually heard the opposite of Tampa yeah. that it was like of of all of the places that you would want to go in Florida, Tampa's like the armpit of Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, "No way." And we so we spent some time in downtown Tampa um, just south of Tampa. And then St. Petersburg was a recommendation from somebody that we ran into, um, when we had a meeting at the Capitol grill in Tampa. And so we buzzed down there on our way back down to the Airbnb. And man, is it, I got some really great photos of the sunset. Yeah, we went, we,
0: we did a day trip to Tampa last year. We went to Orlando for a conference. Um, and Tampa's about a two and a half hour drive or whatever. Yeah. And as soon as we got there, I was like, wow, I had always heard the same thing, but we really loved it. And, um, we are going to the same conference in January and we're going to do a beach day there again, because, you know, awesome. I think growing up, you know, the, the Atlantic versus the Pacific or the Gulf, Gulf is yeah. just like you know I had always gone to the Atlantic side and I yeah. hated the ocean because of it. And <laughs> I love I love water, but I hate the ocean. Yeah. And as soon as I went to the Gulf side I was like, this is where it's at, man. It is mm-hmm. so beautiful. And it's a very absolutely popular stunning. And yep. I know I know there's a ton of people who are investing in Florida real estate right now. So that's sure a good um, you know if you're looking to invest in a different way, maybe it's not Minnesota. Um, maybe you want to consider Florida and talk to Kelly about that.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. You just gave me some ideas for, um, upcoming videos in 2022. So jotting that down and then you and I can talk offline about these individuals that, you know, that are investing down there. (laughs) Yes. As a friendly reminder, everyone. So we can, it it is obviously a very popular area, um, for snowbirds. And so that was why I was like, okay, this is a no brainer for me to get my Florida license. And I'm going to have a very quick return on investment for getting the license down there.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So I, I will be having my first closing here in January and awesome. I have several leads already in place and the meetings that we had down there went incredible. So I am very excited for 2022. Dina love it. What is new and great with you?
0: Well, um, yeah, Thanksgiving was really great. We went out to (laughs) my brother's ranch in South Dakota and, um, we actually celebrated Christmas while you're we there, um, because my mom is having a back surgery tomorrow, actually. Um, and so she's going to be kind of down and out for the count as far as like driving and just kind of hosting and stuff. So we decided to do that. But other than that, I'm just really getting ready for 2022. Um, I have a 2022. Quick- 22, <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Um, I I have a quick little uh, story. Mm. If you don't, if you don't follow me on Instagram, um, please do go check us out. Number one, um, but both of us out. But number yes. two, I told the story yesterday on my Instagram stories, real quick. Um, so we got back from Thanksgiving last week. I did have a head cold. Okay, so I'm going to preface it with that. I the kids, my nieces and nephew, were sick. And so I came back and we were like, we are going to get a cold from this. Sure enough, ended up with a cold, whatever. That is what it is. At the same time, apparently, Zach and I decided to open a bag of decaf coffee that we were having in our mornings. And so the combination of being sick and having a headache I did not correlate with the fact that I was not drinking caffeine. And yesterday, I knew it yesterday because so I've gone out for coffee a couple of times last week. So I know I had caffeine, at least twice last yep. week. So that's fine. But yesterday I we made our coffee here, drank it, went into the office. It was cold in our meeting room that we were in yesterday. And so I got another cup of coffee. And I was like, I drank it and I was like, this is strange. I've already had one cup of coffee and we drink. So for those of you who don't know, we drink French press at our house. And so it's strong coffee. Fancy.
1: fancy. It's just strong.
0: And Mm -hmm. so, you know, once you've drank your coffee, but because I was sick and Zach was dealing with like some work stuff. So he was stressed out. We did not put it together. And then yesterday, after I had that cup at the office, I was like, It's like you know something is off here, and I was like, you know, I bought a bag of decaf because my mom gave up caffeine um, a few years back for health reasons, and so I had ordered a bag so that we have it on hand when she comes. And sure enough, I got home and I opened our coffee drawer and I looked at the bag and it was our decaf bag, and I was like, this is all making sense, and it was. I want to say it was around two o'clock yesterday afternoon when I realized this and I was so close to making a fresh pot of coffee with caffeine in it just so I could like get it back. Oh, but I was gosh. Like, nope, I'm just going to wait um, until tomorrow morning. So this morning I had caffeine again for the first time in a few days. Um, for, yeah. So I'm like, cranking back at it getting back on the horse and I am pumped um yeah I love it
1: and I just learned I had no idea that French press coffee was that much stronger
0: so you can you can make it weaker um but it because there's no like filter filter like there's a little mesh thing but yeah because you're pouring the water into the coffee and letting it steep it's kind of like tea that way so you're It's sitting in there and then you just push the grounds down. So they're still in there. So it's not like it runs through the grounds and then you have your coffee. That's why it's stronger. And we make it, we make it on the stronger end just because we're one, one um, thing of French press gets us both a cup of coffee and then that's all we have for the day. So it's efficient, it's easy. And I just think French press coffee to me tastes the best. And so that's why
1: I love it. So yeah. I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm going to give it a whirl. Yes. I mean coffee. I'm drinking right now. I know none of our listeners can see us. We zoom when we do our podcast recordings. So we get to just see all of our fun facial reactions and our Italian hands flying all over the place. We are not Italian by the way, but We are very animated when we are talking through our podcast recordings, but my coffee consists of uh, vanilla latte, chocolate espresso, and coffee all mixed together. (laughs) It's like (laughs) a suicide coffee. "Ah!" (laughs) So anyways, Dita... We, we always love to do our little catch up, but we do have a point to our podcast recording today. And what are we going to be talking about?
0: Yeah. So today we wanted to touch on what is happening in the marketplace in regards to Zillow and them shutting down their iBuyer program. Um, yes. I should have looked this up before we got on, but we have previously talked about iBuyer programs on the podcast mm-hmm. um, not that long ago. So I think if you go back, maybe I'm going to say like 10, 15 episodes, it's the one where we talk about iBuyers. I will link it in the show notes. So if you want to go back and listen to it, you can. Um, But really the big news coming out, what was it
1: about maybe a month ago? Is that not even not even I mean, this is this is like fresh and hot off the press, basically. So yeah, yeah.
0: And I think they announced it. But like now we're actually seeing what's happening. So mm-hmm. um Zillow has announced that they are shutting down their what they what's called their iBuyer program um which is you know a a newish thing in the real estate industry um and it's called Zillow Offers. So yep. for the past I'm going to say 2 years. 2 years. Yep. They, they've had this program and you could basically you could go on to Zillow, you could say I want to sell my house And you could type in your address and Zillow would send you an offer based on their algorithm. So if you're familiar with Zillow, you go on there, you can see that houses have something called a Zestimate, right? This is the Zillow Mm -hmm. estimate. This is their proprietary algorithm of what they consider your home to be worth. Mm -hmm. Now, There's been a lot of debate about this for a very long time. Um, basically since they came out with it, I remember, I don't, I don't know if I've told the story before here or not. If I have, I apologize. But when we sold our first house in Kansas city, it was 2015 and we actually listed our house for a price and we got an offer for a price that was less than list price, um, and the buyer said, I'm basing this off of the estimate. And the, and unfortunately, here's the thing about estimates that a lot of people like, yes, it's a computer algorithm. So there's some deficiencies there, but also it's pulling from records that may or may not be accurate. And so the, the other gripe with them basically was, um, the, so our tax records for our house showed that our house was a two bedroom, one bath house, but the people that we had purchased it from had finished the upstairs. And so it was actually a three bedroom, two bath house. And so it wasn't even accurate data that they were pulling from, which is why our Zestimate wasn't refre- reflecting properly. Um, so that's kind of the history of the estimate, and then kind of going into the Zillow offers. So basically, you know, there were, there And there still are iBuyers out there. So if this is something that you have considered, um, please reach out to us because we can kind of help you navigate that. And if it's the right thing to do, quite honestly. Um, But it's right for those people who don't want to go live on the market because of one reason or another. A lot of people, it's beneficial to quite a few people who have lived in their home for several years and they have maybe a lot of, a lot of work that needs to be done, or they have a lot of belongings that, you know, it's just going to be difficult for them to move. Um, or if you just want to get out of it and you're like, you know what, I, I don't want to deal with people going through my home. Um, I think this is especially advantageous. Um, when COVID first was, a. Uh, Part of you know, was a pandemic and an epidemic. Um, you know, there people just didn't want strangers coming through their home. So it makes sense for a certain kind of seller. Now, what Zillow Offers was doing is they how they kind of structured their program was they basically used their zest and they gave you a price. And then what they did is they attached service fees to their price. So instead of paying a realtor commission they would charge a service fee there were repairs that they were in, that they included um, for inspection items, all of that stuff. but basically what that allowed a seller to do or an owner to do is sell their home to Zillow, get cash you could have a flexible closing date so let's say you know let's say if you needed to sell your house in order to buy, it really opened up that opportunity, and Kelly, I know you're going through like this move-up buyer series, and um, this is that is kind of one of the potential solutions that is available to sellers. Um, and even like, there's several programs out there, um, but for the sake of um, brevity, we'll just stick to Zillow. Um, thank you. Um, I'm working on my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> I love but it really allowed you the flexibility to sell your house so you weren't contingent on the sale of it, stay living there so you could rent it back, and then finding your next home um in the minneapolis market i I believe at one point Zillow had it was close to one percent or maybe two percent of the market so this is what this is what I think is so interesting about these articles and I love some of the guests we've had on recently is because there is a ton of clickbaity headlines and misinformation out there in the real estate industry. So if you're you know if you're somebody who's looking to get into the industry, I think it can be really easy to get wrapped up and feel like, oh my gosh, Zillow shutting down their iBuyer program. This means that there's going to be no inventory, you know, we're just going to fall off a cliff and what's going to happen to values. Right. right. Well, the, the reality is, is Zillow just didn't have a huge share of the market. And so it's not really impacting the overall market and yeah. to be quite honest, um, and I'm sure you've seen this too, Kelly, but to be quite honest, um, The homes that Zillow owned, because of the way that they purchased them, a lot of times they were overpriced and they, they bought them for more than what they were worth. And this is where, you know, we can talk about that, but this is where it kind of fell down for them is they were using these estimates based on a computer driven model versus somebody going in, looking at the home, saying what's the condition, what's the location. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it literally was just, you know, some computer algorithm saying, yep, you know, your neighbor's house sold for X. And so we'll pay that plus 10% because of market appreciation. Boom. And in reality, like that is not always the value. And we've talked about that before, you know, the importance of having somebody come into your home, really assess it, really figure out, you know, what it's worth, even in townhomes and condos, where you think everything's going to be the same price. That's not no, the case. You know, it's not true for premiums. There's updates that people have done end unit versus middle unit. Like there's so many contributing factors that go into the sales price of a home that clients don't always see until you meet with us. Um, but that was really Zillow's downfall, and I think they really used the pandemic and the appreciation of value to push people because there had to be some kind of incentive right they had to yeah. they had to pay a premium to get these people to choose them over putting it on the market because at the height of the frenzy you know say six, seven, eight months ago, homes on the open market were going for ten to fifteen percent over list price. Right. And so Zillow was, Zillow was using the thought of, I mean, this is what I'm assuming, or this is my opinion is they were using those, those indicators and adding that without actually thinking through like, okay, we have to get into the house, right? Like a lot of these people were renting back. So it's not like they bought it and then they listed it the next day. It was, they bought it. They listed it three months down the road, and now we're in a different market. The market was shifting so quickly. Totally different. We're in a totally different market. And then I think they got into some of those homes, and they weren't as nice as Zillow had predicted them to be. I know I showed several Zillow homes over the summer, and number one, they were sitting on the market (laughs) for 120, 150, 180 days. And this isn't a market... Market where the average days on market is 12, you know? And yeah. so the condition wasn't there. A lot of times they were on very busy roads. Um, they needed a lot of maintenance items done. And, and not only was the condition not there and the location wasn't there, but the price was just astronomical. When you looked at yeah. comps, it, I mean, you know, we put mm-hmm. in a couple of offers on homes for 30, 40, 50,000 less than what they were listed for because that is where the actual value was and so at the end of the day really zillow was just they weren't utilizing the professionals that they probably should have you know they they team up with a a local brokerage here in minneapolis and if you're in the area um you know who we're talking about is Um, and it's unfortunate that they didn't bring them in to these zillow offers to say you know and granted it's a huge, you know, Zillow is a huge company and I have, you know, I can tell you how to do it better from a backseat driving position, but you know, I would have really pushed to say, we'll give them an initial offer, but once you get in there, can you confirm or adjust? Yeah. This? yeah. Um, and they just didn't do that. They were relying, relying a hundred percent on data. And it just, you know, I better. just,
1: I do, I'm, I'm pulling from and I'm going to, um, give a shout out to Ryan Walseth, Wally, um, who's with Lake Sotheby's. He did an excellent um, overview of this and it was really brief. He does a good job of brief overviews. um, And then he linked an article on The Verge. And so we'll attach this on here, but um, something that I'm reading about earnings reports with Zillow, this is just to piggyback off of what you were talking about, where they would go in, offer you know, X amount over what it really should have been listed at, and then ended up losing, you know, they, they didn't profit. They're not profiting off of these houses. Exactly. So um, it says on Tuesday, Zillow announced in its earnings report that it's winding down the practice entirely and estimated that it'll lose over half a billion dollars in value on the houses it owns. It also announced that it would be laying off about a quarter of its employees and said that it had underestimated how unpredictable the housing market is. Yep. There you have it. There you have it. So. Yeah. So real
0: quick, and we can touch on some of the numbers and that we can go into that. Um, so And I know uh, Wally did reference this in his video as well, but Zillow as a company nationally owned at like the time they shut it down, right? I believe approximately 7,000 homes. Is that what he said? Yep. And if they, so 7,000 out of 2.1, 21.7 million homes that are Mm -hmm. on the market. And so, or that will be bought and sold. And so that equals a 0.09% of the market that Zillow owns. So the reason why we wanna bring these numbers up is because you can really see what the actual totality of the risk is. And it's very, very low for home buyers and home sellers, right? Like we're talking less than 1% of the entire market in the United States is being affected by this, by Zillow shutting down their iBuyer program. And so I think what we just kind of wanted to address and kind of reassure people is, this isn't going to create a chaotic market. Um, I believe last week, the last numbers I saw for the Minneapolis market was, I think they have like 400 homes left to sell in Minneapolis, um, something like that. They've canceled contracts for people that submitted a Zillow offer. Um, I believe it was like backdating. So I think they announced, I, I can't remember exactly when they announced um, them shutting down, but let's say it was a month ago. I think they, any contracts that they were negotiating in the previous month, they've canceled. And so they've stopped buying, um, But I also wanna talk about and reassure people who's buying these homes now. So number one, some of them are still on the market. So we're still seeing some that are sitting out there. Um, We expect to probably see some of those, like some of the homes that they've already purchased that aren't on the market yet will still, they'll still help the market and they'll be operating until all of of these homes are sold. Um, But who's buying them? It's people people are buying these homes. You know, we've heard a lot of these, oh, investors are coming in and they're scooping them up. And, you know, this is going to create an unfair marketplace for cash buyers. And, and, you know, we had, we had Logan on the podcast a few weeks ago. And if you want to learn more about the true metrics and the true data of the housing market, I would highly encourage everybody to go and follow him and yeah. listen to what he has to say because he's very smart about this and he gives out great information. But
1: He, he is to- a total expert and is, it, it is no different than what you and I do on a day-to-day basis, right? His job is to follow the metrics, as you said, and keep a, an incredibly keen eye on what the numbers are doing. And the data proves for itself that we're not headed for a housing bubble. We're not heading for a housing crash. Um, matter of fact, it's it, it may be several years down the road, that we see a recession. And even when we say recession, that does not constitute the end of the world, apocalyptic, anything for housing by any stretch of the imagination. So yes, yeah. thank you for encouraging our listeners to go. I mean, the resources that we're providing on here, um, are are here to provide value for you, but also because we have emphasized so critically how important it is to not follow the the major news outlets because they over emphasize on things and it becomes so dramatic that it's the tactics are there to put and instill fear in you versus give you hope and this whole process is about being hopeful. Like you're supposed to feel encouraged and excited and yes, a little bit fearful because it is a humongous transaction. However, to have the professionals around you and the right resources, I just went off on a tangent, I know, but it's so important to like have the right resources. And that's what we're trying to do is um, educate and inspire you. (laughs) I mean, I think I went on like 14 tangents on
0: this episode, so I apologize for going down. No, no apologies. No, I think, yeah, like, I think we just wanted to talk about it to kind of bring people up to speed. Like if you, if you haven't been following closely, um, you know, maybe you're just casually looking or you don't even plan on buying in the next year or two. And so you haven't, you haven't, uh, paid close attention to this. We just kind of wanted to bring it up to, really emphasize that we don't, as experts and as, as professionals, like we don't see this changing any of the marketplace dynamics. It truly is just one of those, you know, fortunate slash unfortunate things that this was a, this was like a new way of buying and selling homes. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for Zillow, it didn't work. And really what it comes down to is, you know, data gets only gets us so far. There is still a human element to this industry that cannot be replaced, and this is exactly Absolutely. what it showed: is you know, you can you can have all of the data in the world, but without that human element for context and for understanding um, what's actually going on in the market, um, it's really hard to be successful. So that's just kind of where we're at Amen, with that. Sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said it spot on. Like this is to absolutely educate and inspire you. Like that is why we do the podcast. And I think, you know, if you have specific questions about how this could impact you, please reach out. Um, There are, like I said, at the top of the episode, there are still some iBuyer programs out there that are available to people. And so if you think you want to go down that route, please you know, people think, oh, if I'm using an iBuyer, I don't need an agent. But what we can really do is we can compare and contrast for you and see if that's actually the right route. Because what people don't a lot of times see are those service fees and the inspection fees, and those can really add up. And so if the net bottom is important to you um, or the net proceeds, then make sure you're talking to a professional too, even if it's for a second opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's like having a somebody somebody meaning a real estate agent or real estate professional, a real estate advisor representing you um, as you're going in to discuss options for home building, you know, building a house and no, like for somebody who may be new to that process um, and not have an idea of how to read through those agreements Um, to have somebody who knows where to look for the right, uh, you know, where you may end up be being cheated out of what you actually deserve in that whole process. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you're, you're going in unrepresented then. And so I think that's something a lot of people don't understand. And I know we, that's actually a good idea for another episode is kind of revisiting the new construction side of things. Um, I know we had Sonny on, um, about a year and a half ago, but since then I've done several, um, new construction deals with clients. And so we can maybe talk about that as far as what that looks like, but yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Anything else you wanted to add, Kelly? Sorry. I kind of took over that episode.
1: No, and that's okay because it is, it's, it's totally in the vein of real estate, right? It, I kind of offhandedly had to deal with it. Um, in terms of like open door and sometimes it was Zillow and I know the frustrations that the real estate agents that had to be, had to represent their buyers had in that whole process. And it was, it was quite frustrating. So um, no, I don't have anything else to add. Um, We'll make sure to link some of the articles that we referenced and again, shout out to um, Wally. Um, Thank you for some of that education and knowledge as well. So We hope you guys enjoyed, we hope you enjoyed this episode and, um, we will chat with you guys next week. Thanks for listening to on a mission where our goal is to educate and inspire. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us to help spread the message. It takes 30 seconds to rate and review, then share this episode with your friends. Let's spread the love until the next episode. Cheers to your mission. Bye. Bye.